Hey, everyone. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Locked on Liquors for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, we know what's fishy now. False positive COVID tests. That's what's fishy. LeBron James is cleared to play by the NBA. He doesn't have COVID after all. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Some potential changes to the starting lineup. Uh, uh, Frank Vogel fighting back. And we'll bring you our conversation with Sabrina Merchant uh, previewing Lakers Clippers on Friday. She of SB Nation. All of that coming up on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Want to thank everybody for making Locked on Lakers your first listen of every day. Monday through Friday, we get this thing up bright and early for you. Appreciate all the support the podcast gets. Make another Locked on Podcast your second listen of the day, but definitely make us your first. Uh, I want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Truebill. Uh, Truebill is the new app, Andy, that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. So, Man Alive did uh, did Thursday produce some news out of El Segundo and the league office uh, from the NBA. Um, we'll get to this, the whole LeBron thing here in a second, but first a little housekeeping. Avery Bradley does not need surgery on his thumb. Uh, Much to the disappointment of a lot of Laker fans. Out right. There. I mean, try try not to be that guy uh, if you're yeah, out there listening. Try to remember, to at the end of the day, Avery Bradley is still a human being and from our time around him, a really nice guy. Right. Like, Works hard, you know, loves his yes. family, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, he will be available on Friday. Um, Trevor Ariza did practice. Uh, he may not play, I should point out. Yeah, Mobile and he, he will play, have to play in a splint if he does. Right. Um, and uh, so Trevor Ariza took the floor um, and practiced in the non-contact portion of uh, of the uh, Lakers practice on Thursday. So he's inching closer to a return, uh, Vogel said. But Andy, the big news actually came after practice. Um, LeBron James, he can play. Uh, yeah. Apparently that, that positive COVID test was a false positive, which was, by the way, a a, a scenario that we did bring up as a potential uh, thing that could happen. And LeBron having taken, I believe it was reported eight more <laughs> PCR tests. Um, he must have excellent insurance. Uh, he's clear all of them negative. He can go out and play. He'll be in the lineup on Friday. This is, yeah, it's, it's a difficult day for Clay Travis who thought he had a fellow vaccine skeptic in the making uh, with right. LeBron. They could become the, uh, the new original odd couple. Um, yeah. And it didn't, End up taking place. Uh, this was obviously what LeBron was alluding to when he sent out the something fishy tweet, um, which you you knew was, or at least you had to figure, was something where he was feeling kind of positive. Just because if it was that serious, you don't send out that many cartoon fish, like emoji fish, like for something that's really a serious issue. It just undercuts the stance that you're trying yeah, to I, make. I, my, my suspicion was it had something to do with his testing. Yeah. Or... It was 
totally unrelated to basketball and was some sort of like Spring Hill fish project or something that he's got going on. You know, like, you know, some animated feature where it would be like him as a goldfish or something oh, like it's that. Oh, it's no, it's the live action remake of Finding Nemo starring LeBron. Sure. That something like Bron- that. LeBron is missing. There was and LeBron has to find him. There was no middle ground. <laughs> and so <laughs> by the way, that's an awful pitch that we're not bringing to Spring Hill. And by the way, it's sort of the opposite of uh it's a, isn't that basically Space Jam? Bronny's missing. LeBron has to go find him. <laughs> yes, but this time they're they're sort they're of fish. fish. They're fish. Yeah, this you're right. It's a terrible it's, pitch. It's, it's Space Jam. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're totally right. That yeah. is Space Jam. Um, all right. So this, Andy, the Lakers have what had precious movie. few <laughs> bits of good luck. Hard to believe all those ideas you have <laughs> taken off. Script script concepts. I know. Uh, I got this idea about these <laughs> dinosaurs. See, the DNA is trapped in amber. Um, I was about to pitch LeBron the movie that not only he just made, I've seen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, that literally was about him finding his son. So yeah. um, in a season with very few breaks... <laughs> Very few. Yeah. It kind of feels like the Lakers finally caught one here because the, the you know, Joel Embiid was out for three weeks. Um, and you know, the Sixers obviously suffered for it. There's gonna be a recovery time, you know, all of this stuff. LeBron missed a game and doesn't have COVID and can come back and play and and all of this stuff. The Lakers have a very modest two-game winning streak. And I I really don't like applying the word streak to two games. That should be just consecutive. But given what's been going on, I, with I, we talked about it, I think it might have been on on yesterday's show. Like this feeling of they just like something that could come along and give them like a, a kick that could jumpstart things. I wonder if this just feeling like, oh, we got one could be part of that. I mean, it, with, with this team making predictions is a very dangerous game. But I will say, though, just the idea that they can try to maintain momentum and just feel like they might have the ability to build towards something. This is coming at a time where they're actually going to have the ability to practice. Like, it's, it's this really unusual part of the schedule where there's actually pockets of days in between games, and Frank Vogel said uh, during Thursday's practice that they are going to be looking to actually get themselves out on the floor a few more times, which is just – you can make the easy joke. Obviously, they need all the practice they can get. But, like, the truth is, like, they they need the ability to just work with each other yes. in, in ways that don't count in the standings. I mean, they just had precious little of that in terms of the actual games to work it out. Yeah, it it just all of this stuff needs to come together. And LeBron obviously wouldn't have been available for the practices had he not, you know, had he had he been, you know, on the on the quarantine list. Um, So it's 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 just everything about this is is good news. We we don't need to really break down, you know, how much better the Lakers are when LeBron plays. That's that that is that is obvious. Their best um, victory of the season was without LeBron, though. The second half on Tuesday was very impressive. Um, and speaking of that, actually, uh, part of the the impetus for that win was the play of Dwight Howard. Uh, Vogel, this was before uh, we learned about LeBron, but I don't necessarily think this changes the news all that much. And we're actually going to talk about Frank Vogel's kind of disposition today with uh, with Sabrina here in a second with our conversation with Sabrina Merchant. Um 
he's going to start Dwight Howard. He actually said on Thursday for, you know, 36 hours ahead of, of when he needed to do it, that he was going to start Dwight Howard. Presumably will do that anyway uh, on Friday. Um, but either way, even if he doesn't, the fact that he kind of pronounced it and said that Dwight is going to be the big who plays was notable because Vogel never does that. Ever. No, no. That this is as definitive a statement as Vogel has made. I'd argue as a coach. I mean, this is just something he doesn't do. You know, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they want to try to go with a smaller starting lineup with LeBron there. It gives them a bit more flexibility to do that. You know, whether Wayne Ellington or Malik Monk or somebody would start in that spot ahead of right. Avery I mean, the Bradley. Clippers do have a sort of a, what would be considered a sort of a, a normal center in Avica Zubac. So like you could certainly justify from a matchup standpoint. Sure. Starting I mean, a, but I mean, you know, AD can guard Avica Zubac. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it could go either way, but the, the larger takeaway from this is that, you know, Dwight Howard is certainly going to be the guy who starts when they go with the traditional center. And he's also going to be the guy that plays when it comes to true big men not named Anthony or Davis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's probably unreasonable to expect him to play as well as he did on Tuesday. Um, you know, he's not going to play 35 minutes mo on uh, most nights. And if he does play 35 minutes, he's probably going to have more than four fouls on most of those nights. Um, but if he can give you 15 to 20 a night, you know, 10 to 15, whatever it is, the number of center minutes that Vogel needs at a higher level than he's been doing. This isn't a, just a DeAndre Jordan thing. We've talked about it on the show, Andy. This is also about Dwight, like not being great. Um, and like he needs, you know, if, if he can pick it up a little bit, um, that will make a difference. So, you know, see what happens. Uh, we still got some space there uh, to figure it out. But it is a significant change from Frank Vogel and one that he made uh, pronounced well ahead of time uh, in in the way that he's kind of, I think, defending himself, sticking up for himself, sticking up for the work that he's been doing uh, as the coach of the Lakers this year in very difficult circumstances. That's the first thing that we talked about in our conversation with Sabrina Merchant covers the Lakers and the Clippers for SB Nation. So we got a couple segments with her and we will bring that to you next. Lockdown Lakers brought to you by Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's because it's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that allows you to identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want, need, or just forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill, that is an incredible amount of savings. Companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, but Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel the unwanted subscriptions with one tap. Truebill has over 2 million users and helped them save over 100 million bucks. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Okay, so uh, Thursday at practice in El Segundo, one of the rare practices the Lakers have actually been able to even have over the last couple weeks, um, Frank Vogel again reiterated how much confidence he had in their ability to play defense. He said the team is you know, right about where they expected to be middle of the pack given all of their um, – all of their turnover in the roster this year and so many different people learning uh, learning a new system. Um, but he also pointed to the second half of Tuesday's game against Sacramento as evidence, again, that the system can work 
when guys apply themselves to it. He was very chest puffy um, after Tuesday's game as well, you know, talking about his move to put Dwight in the lineup four minutes in, like you said, Sabrina, talking about what they did in the second half and what that could mean. Um, He's definitely sticking up for himself very proactively now. Why do you think that is, Sabrina? Well, it'll look good if he's trying to find a new job, you know, to be this proactive. Uh, I think that attitude sells. Um, no, but hey, like he's been put in this situation where the roster is clearly not made with Frank's preferences in mind, right? Um, the, oh my God, the soliloquy he gave about Alex Caruso before they played the Bulls just made me just very sad about the this friendship that well the part where he broke down weeping sabrina really revealed his cards it was yeah it was emotional when he tore open his shirt and there was a caruso jersey on underneath and that was like when he when he applauded after every caruso basket like when he made them play the tribute again (laughs) on the big screen that was a lot it was a great tribute it was uh one of the better ones i've seen yeah that that was the in-game thank you video they did to alex caruso was unbelievable like it went back to g-league footage and stuff like that, like it, a speech he made in a South Bay locker room. Yes. Just incredible. Oh, <laughs> if the video they it, made for, if the recruitment video they had made for, uh, for, for like Mello and Aldridge were that good, those guys would have been on the team. <laughs> <laughs> like that would have been enough. Yeah, it, it was such a great tribute video. It even made it more of a mystery of why they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Frank is in this situation where you know he has a roster that is not what he would have wanted. Like I think that's a hundred percent clear, and so. Uh, he's been doing things that he thinks are, I guess, in line with the way that this roster is supposed to play. And um, I guess it's just gotten to the point where like, he's eaten so much shit, for lack of a better word, for how the Lakers have performed that, I mean, if he's going to go down, he's going to go down swinging and he's going to make it very clear like, what is you know my Frank Vogel decision and what is a result of, hey, these are just because of the players we have. So I think it's important for him to like, delineate like what is his responsibility versus what is he believes is not on him and i don't think it's a coincidence that that has happened after all of the smoke about his potential job security but and and andy like it's you know he's a he's a a mild-mannered fellow he obviously is a company kind of guy he's not you know he's not dropped bombs about like why i only got a one-year extension all this other stuff but you know, he is not a pushover either. I think, you know, this. I, I, there are similarities here to what I'm seeing now to what he did in year one when everybody thought Jason Kidd was going to, you know, knife him in the in the back and he'd be gone in three months. You know, he sub, you know, started Anthony Davis at center in the second game of the year against Utah. I mean, he's, he's advocated for himself throughout the process pretty strongly for a guy who isn't overtly self-promotional. Well, I, I think also too, I mean, and I and I actually asked him about this during Thursday practice. Like there's there's a point where no matter how much you're gonna advocate for yourself, and I think he's starting to do that more, there was also, I think, a degree of stubbornness with Vogel and you know, like the insistence on wanting to play both DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard on top of those minutes with Anthony Davis when you know you could argue that neither one out there, you know, with a different roster construction would be the most ideal solution. Like, you know, neither DeAndre nor Dwight on the whole this season have really made a strong case to be in the lineup that often anyway. You know, for practical reasons, you have to play one or the other, especially right now. No LeBron, no Ariza. Like, the Lakers just don't have the type of size that they need 
to really go with Anthony Davis as as for all intents and purposes their one center. But you know, I asked Frank about just the idea of how long do you give yourself with experimentation versus realizing like, okay, we've got to start settling into certain things that we know work, give ourselves the amount of reps requisite, all that, all that stuff. And he, you know, he said that you want to give yourself a certain amount of freedom for experimentation, but I think they're starting to reach a point where you do have to start drilling down on the things that work specifically. But also in the case of Vogel, I think it's recognizing no matter what your basketball philosophy is, Sabrina, like if what I'm doing isn't working, I have to abandon it regardless of my own principles. And I think there, as much as Frank is sticking up for himself, there's also a bit of uh, eating bleep on his part as well, too. Like just in terms of certain things that he would in a perfect world do, but I think is realizing he can't. Yeah, he's had to adapt obviously a lot from what I think his ideal lineup looks like. I mean just the fact that he started AD at center for all those games when DeAndre and Dwight were healthy and playing these LeBron at center lineups with three guys who would never be classified as good defenders on any situation. I mean, there's so many things he's had to do that like the 2019-20 team would never do. And yeah, maybe he's a little bit more stubborn than you'd hope for in terms of getting to that end point. But uh, yeah, the, the lineups the Lakers throw out are so wildly strange considering what we've learned about Frank Vogel from the last few years. And I, I don't think it's all because of the roster construction because he could have just stuck with what he wanted to do. And um, I, I do think I, there's I, been I, some adaptability I, I, at least. Yeah. I'm sympathetic. I mean, I, 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 I don't defend Avery Bradley and DeAndre Jordan playing together because it's just impossible. <laughs> like you, you can't. Um, Avery has a way Frank's... of just popping off like in just these really specific situations that make you think like, oh, it could work. Like the last time they played the Clippers with Avery Bradley, right? Uh, just an excellent right, all of a sudden game he hits on four that three pointers, yeah. and you're like, oh yeah, but like yeah. you can't play him and DeAndre Jordan because well, you have two negative offensive he's players. He's also he's, he's a not Frank, that but he's yeah. a Frank Vogel kind of player. Like mm -hmm. re results put to the side. Avery Bradley like embodies everything that Vogel loves. I think about basketball and the way players would approach the game, particularly guys who are role players and you know you can only squeeze so much out of them compared to a star and like I, I was saying earlier like a couple weeks ago that like it felt to me like Frank Vogel was like look I will make certain concessions with how big I'll go how small I'll go you know certain guys I'll put that with uh defensive liabilities but damn it Avery Bradley's <laughs> my guy like that is because remember the first season he was with the Lakers Sabrina like Frank Vogel talked about how it was going to be, other than LeBron and AD, an open competition for spots. It was clear within like 30 minutes of the first day of practice. Yeah, Avery Bradley's starting. Vogel yeah. loves him. Yeah, I mean, he had that Avery challenge, you know, about how yes. he inspired the guys to play defense. And, uh, you know, to Frank's credit, like he came off the bench a little bit when Avery was injured that first go-round. But, uh, yeah, I mean... Like it's it's been a really weird season for the Lakers, a really weird season for Frank Vogel, and I can't blame him for wanting his little security blanket of Avery yeah. Bradley. But it's just unfortunate that it has to be compounded with all of the other things going on. Well, I mean, I again, I'm sympathetic. Aside from the Avery thing, I'm sympathetic just because th there aren't a lot. There have not been a lot of good answers. Like it, it is helping that somebody like Malik Monk is both producing consistently enough, at least of late, offensively that being average defensively is good enough. Um, but for a while, the, the production was so inconsistent 
and he wasn't average defensively on a consistent basis. And so that was hard to do. And Bazemore has been a dumpster fire. And, you know, and, uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony was a revelation at the beginning, but, you know, has had to play far too many minutes. And there's only so much you can like there there. Everybody complains about his roster and, or about his rotations and this and that. And I get some of it, but I actually think he's been pretty flexible. I think they've thrown almost everything at the wall and and you know trying to put together this very complicated puzzle with half the pieces missing. So um, and I do think he's said a couple things that may, are pointedly directed to the front office, like you people gave me this. Like yeah. you can't expect this to work in the way. You know, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm not a magician for God's sakes. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, you mentioned Ty Lue earlier. Uh, he is a guy who the Lakers tried to hire sort of, although maybe not very hard. They pretended um, to try to hire him. His very birthday cake had the Lakers on it. Like he thought he was <laughs> getting the job. <laughs> Yeah, they, they're you know that? what they're they're pretty cake? good with that. This front office, like you know, they they led the Kings and Montrez Harrell and Kuzma to believe that they were going to Sacramento. Then at the last minute, hey, we're trading for Russell Westbrook. Like Kuzma had a Sacramento Kings cake all ready to go, and he had to get rid of that one. Like they the just official motto of El Segundo, psych. Um, so <laughs> it really is. Um, all right, but like it's you know a very different vibe coming from from uh, Ty Lu on a night to night basis. But the results in uh, in Playa, which is I guess where they still are right now, are pretty similar. The teams combined are one game over five hundred. Very interesting game coming up on Friday. We'll take stock of where these teams are. We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, even better than a candy bar. It is filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, fat, but high in protein. You get the best of everything. Tastes awesome with Built Bar. It gives you the extra fill. You need to bust down those mall doors and battle all those holiday shoppers. That stuff is out of control. You are going to need the extra energy. Built Bar can give you something extra to keep going. For that. Yeah, put, put one in your jacket, in your jacket or your purse. You never know when you're going to need it. You might even need to throw it at someone. Like It, it could serve as fuel, but also as a weapon, depending on which mall you go to. Because again, some of those people are just out of pocket with the way that they shop. You want something to, co you want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. That actually does Get out. Good. That sounds <laughs> remarkable. Let, them, let it melt a little bit and then give your beverage a bit of that Built Bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice melty Built Bar to go with it. Bring a couple napkins on him. My God, that sounds like <laughs> a really this good genius. recipe. You're doing really good does. work over there. All right, so go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. You get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCK15 at Built.com. Sorry, still thinking about those built bar hot cocos I'm going to be making for myself. Um, all right, so uh, the the Lakers and Clippers are both obviously treading water right around 500 in that clump of seven teams that are separated by like half a game between four and eleven or whatever it is in the Western Conference. Uh, they the Clips have been all over the map though. They I think started one and one and three, one and four, then one won seven four. in a row and have lost seven of ten. So it's like pick a lane. Um, but where where are they? Because Lakers fans, I think, get so consumed about what's been going wrong with with their team that it's easy to overlook the problems that other teams are having as well. Um, what where are the Clippers? The Clippers are not doing great. 
Um, they had a seven game winning streak that I think sort of gave this illusion of, oh yeah, this is a team that played in the Western Conference Finals without Kawhi Leonard. Even without Kawhi Leonard, they should be fine during the regular season. But that has not exactly been the case. Um, turns out Clippers just can't score at all. Uh, having Paul George as your lead ball handler is a recipe for a lot of turnovers, which is something I think Frank Vogel is actually acutely aware of. Um, and all of their veterans just look creaky. Like, I know we joke about how old the Lakers are. Um, it has become just shockingly clear how old the Clippers actually are. Like, Marcus Morris does not look right. Serge Ibaka does not look right. Um, Eric Bledsoe and Reggie Jackson are more like the Eric Bledsoe and Reggie Jackson of your, you know, like, oh, Eric Bledsoe can't shoot. Reggie Jackson is all over the place. Uh, so the the consistency one might have expected of their veterans has just not been there. And this is a team built on veterans. So when those guys are not performing, it's a lot of, does Terrence Mann have it today? Does Luke Kennard have it today? And in recent days, they have not had it, um, which is why the team is back at 500, you know, three and seven in their last 10. Uh, they defend really, really well, which is nice. Um, always good when you can hang your hat on one thing. But even that has sort of fallen apart recently when, uh, you know, Sacramento put up 100 points in three quarters last night against them. And Jonas Valanciunas, they're calling him Dirk Valanciunas because he hit seven threes in one half against the Clippers on Monday. So uh, even the good things appear to be falling apart. And I would attribute a lot of it to Nick Batum being in the COVID protocols. Uh, when he comes back, I would expect the Clippers to look more like themselves, but he will not be back for the Laker game. How you mentioned Paul George's turnovers and that, you know, that's in part a function of just him, I would assume, being asked to do so much this season without Kawhi guys in and mm -hmm. out of the lineup. Overall, how is he playing? Because he came into this season saying, I know that there is a lot on me right now with Kawhi's return, you know, indefinite, totally unknown, and I'm ready for this. Yeah, Paul, um, I think defensively has been awesome this year. I was a little worried about him the past couple of years because of the shoulder surgeries, how, I don't know, uncomfortable he was navigating screens and that is no longer the case. Like not only is he great on point of attack guys, he's also having to play big in a lot of lineups just because the Clippers don't have a deep forward rotation and um, his like weak side, his room protection has just been awesome. But offensively, like you said, he's just been asked to do a lot. His usage is career high numbers, like not even close compared to what he was having to do in Indiana. And you're seeing it reflected in the shooting percentages, like 30% from three, 40% overall, uh, which is just not what you'd expect from someone who has a jump shot that looks as pretty as Paul George's. And uh, it's it's just clear that like all of the shots that he's taking are just a wee bit short or, you know, like they're exactly the kind of looks you would want and they're just not going in. Uh, I think the Clippers have to be happy with how he's playing just in terms of like the, the reads that he's making, the looks that he's creating for other players on the team. It's just, this was arguably the best shooting team in NBA history last year. Like uh, they shot 41% on three pointers. Uh, seven of the rotation players shot 40% on threes last year. And now it's this. So um, just a strange, strange situation in Clipperland, especially for a coach in Ty Lu, who kind of has always been offense first. And right. to see this team, um, it's just, it's like a weird dichotomy of like, oh, hey, Ty Lu can actually coach defense or like what's, what's happening here. What's the what's the deal with in in terms of expectations? Just because you know the Lakers at twelve and eleven, having played a terribly soft schedule, and you know it, it is just disappointment all over the place. Which is why everybody in that you know on the roster, in the coaching staff, whatever, felt so good and kind of 
made such a big deal out of what happened in the second half on Tuesday because there have been so few of those moments where the Lakers looked like they were a dominant team who really were as good as as expectations uh, said they would be coming into the season. The Clippers, though, I you know at least preseason, nobody considered them a legit title contender just because of Kawhi's injury. Is that did did that winning streak change anything, or is like are they still just sort of playing with house money in terms of? get to the playoffs, you know, have a good showing and all that kind of stuff. I think this team like wants to be in a position where it makes sense for Kawhi to come back at the end of the regular season, where they're good enough that adding even like an 80% Kawhi propels them to that contender level. And the winning streak suggested that they could be that kind of team because like, I know we talk a lot about the Lakers schedule. The Clippers have had two six game homestands so far. They haven't played a team that has won that won a playoff series last year yet. Like, it's not been a, a difficult schedule for the Clippers by any means, um, even though they have had two, five, and seven stretches, which is just a lot of games, um, which is why Paul George got a rest last night because they're in the middle of one of those five and sevens again. Um, even if they weren't classified, like, in that contender status, I still think that this team expects to be there by the end of the year. So the goal is to, you know, get to that point. Like, they're not developing younger players. They have three roster spots committed to rookies, and those guys don't play. Like one of them is out currently, but the other two don't play. Only when like Batum and Morris and George are hurt, like that's when Brandon Boston is getting in. So this is a team that is designed to win now. And it's I mean, not Ter- happening Terrence Mann, like just him blossoming the way he has with the Clippers has been like a true outlier. Like that, that is not what they do. Like, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if, how much of that was by, you know, design that it happened or if it just sort of, Happened in spite of the way they typically go about doing things, <laughs> right. but but has he has he been a little bit of a disappointment though this year? I would say offensively, Terrence has been mm-hmm. a bit of a disappointment. Um, defensively, I think he's taken quite a step. Uh, he got lost a little bit defensively last year, but he's sort of come in and been like a a stopper of sorts off the bench. Like they put him on Steph Curry on opening night, and that actually worked really well. I know Steph popped off for twenty five points in the first quarter, but he was relatively quiet after that when Terrence got on him, um, and they. He's like very comfortable in their switching schemes, Terrence is. So I would say he's taken a huge step forward on that end. It's just the problem is the things that you see are like, oh, Terrence drives into the middle of the paint, jumps and forgets who he's supposed to pass to. And, oh, that's two points in the other direction. Uh, so, yeah, the offense has been uh, not what they had hoped for. I mean, like, Terrence is one of those guys who shot 40% on threes last year. And I think everyone was like, well, it's probably not what kind of shooter Terrence Mann is. And I think this year has sort of borne that out. But, I mean, it's, it's also just a function of like, the Clippers are so like low on forward depth that they were playing two centers together in their second unit. And like even Frank Vogel would tell you that that's a bad idea. <laughs> so, uh, like they had to start Serge Ibaka and Vita Zubac together last night, which I like, this was the one night of the year that Ty Lu said he was not going to tell us a starting lineup. And I guess it was because he was doing something this ridiculous. Uh, and there just haven't been like, very successful offensive ecosystems on this team. Like when you're playing Eric Bledsoe, who can't shoot, when you're playing a traditional big at all times, when you're playing guys like Mann and well, Justice Winslow is basically out of the rotation, but like all these guys who aren't regarded as shooters, it's understandable to me like why the offense doesn't look as good. Um, but it is still surprising that they're not shooting as well because there was sort of a track record of them like being good shooters and like Marcus Morris shooting 25% from the field is just never something I would have thought would happen. Like maybe not. 47% from three, but surely not 25%. You mentioned Sabrina, a lot of, a lot of the veterans on this team struggling and, and not playing up to the expectations of, of this year, what they did last season. 
Who among them, in terms of the guys that are struggling, do you think has hurt the team the most? That's a good question. Um, I think it's got to be the front court, uh, the Morris-Ibaka duo there, because um, one of the cool things about the Clippers last year was how deadly their small lineup was. And we saw that during the playoffs, how they just you know took a visa to watch out and they would be starting Batum, Kawhi, George, and Morris together. And it's like a small lineup, but it's actually quite big considering the size of all those wings. And they don't have that versatility anymore because one, Kawhi is out, but two, like Morris, Ibaka are just not moving well. Like Morris um, had some knee inju- injuries last year. Uh, he didn't start the season off on time. Like he skipped all of preseason, played two games and realized he didn't have it, sat for another month and came back. Um, he hasn't quite looked like himself. And then Ibaka, you know, recovering from back surgery, he had to go down to the G League just to play because, you know, his conditioning wasn't quite right. And both of those guys, I think the Clippers expected a lot from, especially with all those forward minutes available without Kawhi Leonard. And it hasn't been the case. Like Ibaka's not the stretch guy he once was and Marcus isn't hitting. So there's just a way they envisioned their team, you know, being able to be big, but also space the floor. And when those two guys don't play well, it's just impossible to achieve that. Well, um, all right. At least so the scarf it, game is coming. Yeah. <laughs> Between yeah, we have to figure out a way to get Serge Ibaka's scarf and Kyle Kuzma's sweater on the same person at the same time, because that would be truly epic. I think that's all that's missing from this world. I think you just have to it's ask either to one me, of them. Honestly. <laughs> Just to ask either one of them to do it, they'll do it. I, I think it's more just no. Right, but you, I'm just saying you got to get them. You got to get them both in the same place at the same time. Nothing was better than that guy who does the thing where, like, every time you retweet this, I'll I'll increase <laughs> I'll the size of, I'll make it <laughs> bigger. Great. Doing that to Kuzma's sweater was yeah. the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, Sabrina Merchant covers the uh, Clippers for SB Nation, podcaster for the Lakers at SB Nation. Awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, thank you so much for giving us the time uh, in a very weird moment in L.A. basketball. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I'm a little bummed that this isn't more of a high-profile game, but hey, it's still like I, I, I was worried. Well, it is no longer on national television. Um, It'll I be on our local TVs. <laughs> I was worried you were going to finish that sentence with, uh, this isn't a more high-profile podcast. <laughs> it's, the best, it's the best we can do. Um, want to thank everybody for making Locked on Lakers your first listen of every day. Make another Locked on podcast your second listen. Go listen to Sabrina. Um, and uh, subscribe to Locked on Lakers on YouTube. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Or Monday, I should say.